Wednesday edition of Locked On Indians, brought to you by Built Bar. Great tasting product, one I use daily, builtbar.com, promo code locked on. We have a what's going to be a fun podcast today, if I am perfectly honest. For those who do not know me, I am Jeff Ellis. This is the Locked On Indians podcast. I formerly wrote at Scout and 24 7. And now I get to host this fantastic podcast. And it was during my time at Scout that I met my best friend in the writing industry, I would say, <laughs> uh, in terms of the media and who I interact with. Uh, I know others on Twitter have called it a bromance at points. I don't know exactly how we would label it, but it is my good friend, Taylor Blake Ward, who covers the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, Taylor, before we you know, get into any talking about the Indians, the Angels, and just baseball in general, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, uh, I am on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward, currently a free agent on the writing market. Um, but uh, thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's good to be back together, man. It's been uh, it's been some time. Yeah, we had about a year there where we were trying to do a podcast ourselves. We would get one out about once a month. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Taylor was with me at, uh, at 24-7 and at Scout and you know knows the Angels very well. Uh, a lot of connections in there. And with all the talk with Francisco Lindor, I thought it'd be good to talk with Taylor. So that'd be good to talk because the Angels have been making moves. We don't have too many teams making moves. And as always, I think it's good to get that outsider's opinion on the Indians and what they're doing. I do want to give a caveat right here, though. So to make schedules work, Taylor and I are recording this a few days ahead of time. So if you're like, why didn't they talk about blah, blah, blah? You know, that's why we recorded this beforehand. So we don't have uh, that's why it's not us intentionally skipping it or anything like that. It's just it hasn't occurred for us yet. So before we dig into too much else, let's just start talking about Major League Baseball and what the Angels have done. Uh, you know, my bad joke so far has been that it is December and we've got the Angels out here trying to acquire all the churches between Jose Iglesias and <laughs> Rafael Iglesias. Now, Jose was, as people who listen to this podcast know, uh, a target of mine for like if the Indians traded Lindor, I thought he was a great buy low, like low salary guy, not necessarily buy low, but he didn't cost the Angels a ton. Uh, what are your thoughts about this addition to their lineup? Yeah, as you noted, it's uh, about three and a half million dollars is what he's going to be making. I'm going to move my microphone over just to get some more clarity. Uh, but um, it, it's interesting. You look at uh, they had to replace Andrelton Simmons, whether that was a, a buy low option or go into the market and get a Marcus Semien or a Colton Wong. They just need a middle infielder. And when you look at Jose Iglesias' offensive numbers and compare them to Andrelton Simmons' offensive numbers, they're really similar. And Jose actually offers a little bit more upside offensively than Andrelton Simmons. Now, of course, Andrelton, uh, even though he's regressed defensively and offensively, he is still one of the better defenders at shortstop in baseball. And Jose Iglesias may not be the defender, but he's a very gifted defender in his own sense. Um, so the Angels kind of filled a hole with a similar player at a cheaper cost. And I think that's really what, uh, what we're looking at when it comes to Jose Iglesias is that his bat is very similar to Andrelton Simmons. His glove may not be the same, but you're going to get very similar value out of him as you have had over the last three, four years. I thought it was interesting when you go and you look at his baseball savant stuff. I was pulling that up on the side here. His exit velocity, 12th in baseball. His walk percentage, the first percentile. So, you know, that's bad. Uh, barrel percentage, 10 percentile. But this is where it gets interesting. Expected batting average, 100th percentile. So he had the highest expecting batting average in baseball last year. With percentage, 97. Expected weighted on base percentage, 90th. So 
I mean, if he approaches those numbers again, yeah, he's he's never going to hit for power, but a sprint speed was still a 58th percentile at his age. Switch hitter. Uh, I thought it was a great get. And again, they didn't trade a top, in my opinion, maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't think they traded one of their top 15 prospects to get him. No, I agree with you 100%. And, and as you noted, this is a guy that doesn't walk a lot. And that may be something that um, Paul Sorrento and, and the hitting staff at, with the Angels kind of look towards is see more pitches, do things like this. But what he's done, he's been successful with. Um, you saw some power numbers the year before with Cincinnati where he hit 11 home runs. Last year, I don't know his exact total, but it wasn't massive. But like we said, this is a guy that fits into your lineup at the bet. He had three home runs. Thank you. My very on-the-sly hand signal. Very good. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, is this guy going to put up double-digit home runs over 162 games? Probably not. But – you can fill them in at the back of your lineup and fill them in. But I think it just more importantly is you filled a hole at a cheap cost. And uh, Garrett Stallings was the top prospect that did go over in this two prospect deal. Um, guy that works in the high eighties strike thrower, but nothing really shows more than average when it comes to him. It's just a guy that executes. And we know that baseball is a game of execution. So there's a good chance that Michael Elias found a strike throwing guy, a, a command guy that has some success. Gene Pinto, has yet to pitch stateside. He's uh, 18, 19 years old. Um, he was a, a signing. He signed a little bit older for mostly international players, but a guy that works in the mid-90s has a, a decent average slider. So maybe you get a relief uh, a relief guy out of him. But really, the Angels didn't pay. I mean, just on paper right now, I mean, we could look back 10 years from now, maybe Garrett Stallings is a premier starter like Shane Bieber somehow. And uh, maybe Gene Pinto's a, a world-class reliever. I, I don't see that happening, though. On paper at this moment, I think the Angels came out looking really good with this. And, and like I said, Jose Iglesias is a guy that you can fill into the back of the lineup, and he's going to be able to play shortstop for you, which is something they needed. There's David Fletcher, who is a very gifted middle infielder, but there are questions about his ability to handle shortstop for 162 games. And now you have David Fletcher, a very gifted defensive second baseman that you can put at second base every day. And you have Jose Iglesias who can man shortstop for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was looking through the the stuff with Jose Iglesias. It's, it's a nice constant. And, but one can't help but think too about just uh, back-to-back years of uh, going to Baltimore, getting, and, you know, they bought low on Dylan Bundy. You know, you might be buying high on Jose Iglesias here, but uh, it was very successful. And I feel like it was a similar type package a year ago. So uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has made that connection. You have different GM. It's not like it's the same talk. But again, Baltimore is right there. And Baltimore is just, I feel like outside of like Santander, uh, it's going to be a completely new lineup one to nine. Uh, they've let go their entire infield at this point in time, I believe, either through trades or releases. Uh, so it's, it's going to be an interesting team to watch how they approach it. The other big trade this week, uh, you know, the Raza, Razael. Razel, Razel, Razel. My pronunciation always my Achilles heel. Uh, you know, you were the one I saw who first tweeted out the baseball savant numbers, where he was read in everything. One year rental costs nine million dollars, so he's expensive. We don't know exactly how much money the Reds are sending. And you know, I, I mentioned on the podcast when you see that there's a player to be named later or cash going back the other way. That is code for a very low end prospect or cash. So. It's essentially just Noe Ramirez, who's been inconsistent, but has some potential and lots of years of control versus just this one elite year out of one of the best closers in baseball. Yeah, I mean, the Angels sent a low leverage middle reliever for a closer. 
And I know that we're getting rid of that term closer in baseball. We're looking at high leverage uh, relief arm. But you look over the last half decade here and last season, Rizal Iglesias has been one of the better relievers in baseball. Now, relievers are tricky. You know, one year they could be great, one year they could not be great. And one bad outing over 60 games can really uh, remove you from what could be a good season or an average season to a bad season. Um, and it looks like, you know, he had a three-something ERA last year, and a lot of that came from one or two outings. You look at him, his consistency level at the back end of uh, the games in the ninth inning when you really need him, the Angels found, you know, quote-unquote, a closer and a shortstop within a brief amount of time filling those two holes, and they did it at a reasonably cheap cost. Like you said, Rizal Iglesias is going to cost a little over $9 million, but no way Ramirez in arbitration, probably around a million, million and a half dollars. Um, so, you know, you, you figure that's eight and you add the three some million. It's about $12 million to find a closer and a shortstop. That's not something you can regularly do uh, on an open market. So I think that right now the Angels are happy with what they're walking away from. Like we said, it's, it's cash or a player to be named. Um, Perry Manassian didn't say, wouldn't uh, go into detail about any player that it could be. Uh, the belief is it could be one of the guys that may go in the rule five. And if it's not, if the player's taken the rule five, that they would be shipped off. Um, that's the the belief. It's not necessarily fact or not. Um, but if it's a rule five pick, you can imagine the value is not very high. You know, it may be a major leaguer. It may not be. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that they've filled holes early. They have a lot of holes. They still have to fill. They have to find a catcher. They have to find uh, possibly another lefty bat. Uh, they can platoon at first base, whether they have trust in Jared Walsh or not, or even a guy that can platoon with um, with Joe Adele in the outfield while Joe Adele continues to develop. And they have a, a load of pitching that they have to figure out. They've got holes in their rotation, holes in their bullpen, and this was just the first fix for their bullpen. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it was interesting to see them be so aggressive because we're seeing it's interesting the teams that are aggressive right now, like the Royals have signed multiple free agents, which is what everyone expected, of course. And uh, please, people note sarcasm. And then uh, the Angels with their trades. And it is interesting that they are preserving space going forward because these are guys who can, at the end of the year, are coming off the books. Don't they have another contract coming off the books at the end of the uh, 2021 season? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, by the name of uh, first ballot Hall of Famer Albert Pools. So they're setting themselves up for either to get out of or they're in the tax range right now. Am I right? Or are they yeah, currently- after everything's figured out? Cause you have to add in arbitration. You have to add in minimum salaries, things along those lines, um, benefit packages. They're around 170 million, roughly. Um, they said the payroll would, uh, would not go down. I believe last year they were around $180 million right around that range. Um, so, you know, can you go out and sign Trevor Bauer for $30 million? Absolutely you can, but it's going to, you know, put you close to that verge, but you do look at that Albert Pujols contract, you know, you have $30 million coming off the books in a year. Um, so, and you know, what Albert's done for this ball club, I know that, um, the statistics and the performance, it, it hasn't been there. Um, this is not Albert Pujols of old. This is, you know, the first two, three years of his contract, it looked, like uh, he was putting up, you know, reasonably okay numbers. He was beneficial to be behind Trout. But what he's done for this organization, you look at Mike Trout and the legacy that Mike Trout is going to have as an angel, that's something that Albert Pujols has in a sense with the Cardinals, but it didn't last with the Cardinals. He came to the Angels, and you have to believe that part of uh, Albert's legacy or lack of legacy that continued with the Cardinals had an impact on Mike Trout moving forward to being an angel for life. 
And Albert Pujols, great clubhouse guy. We don't, you know, we talk about analytics and things, and those are important. But you also have to talk about the baseball aspect. And this is a great clubhouse guy who's been very beneficial for this Angels ball club, uh, especially the younger guys, which, you know, right now looking at Albert Pujols, everybody's younger than he is. But this is a guy that, that has importance in the organization. Just uh, I think they can't wait to get him off the books. And then they're just kind of left with the uh, the Upton situation after that. I, you know, I didn't get a chance to dive too deeply. I wish there was a good challenge trade, you know, with some team that had overpaid for pitching and needed a bat and they could just do that. You know, the, the old school flip a, a bat for a, a pitcher. But I mean, looking at that team with what they've done, you mentioned, you know, catcher and then figuring out the Jared Walsh situation, but that lineup looks pretty well set. And I mean, pitching has its, its ups and downs, but Haney, Bundy, Canning, you have to feel pretty solid at least about the first half of that. And uh, I mean, they're, they're doing well with less. I think that's what I'm appreciating right now about the Angels is they're doing well with less. And we really haven't had a chance to dive into the the season all that much. So I'm very curious to see what more they do. Uh, before we talk Indians, before we talk Lindor, because I know people want to hear about that, I have to do a quick call out to our sponsor, BuiltBar.com. Talked about them at the top of the show. I always mention Built Bar because they are a, a sponsor. Let's be honest. And B, it is a product I use. I have ordered from them multiple times. I had a strawberry bar for breakfast today. Uh, it is my go-to breakfast. And I keep going back to BuiltBar.com because I am someone who is gluten-free. And it is a gluten-free bar that doesn't feel like I'm breaking my jaw to eat. That's really hard to find. It is a nice, moist, tasty bar. If it didn't taste good, I wouldn't keep going back. I'm someone who does not like to eat the same food all the time. I go through fads and phases. I have not gone through a fatter phase. Built Bar has been constant in my life for six months. And if you're curious to check out Built Bar, go over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Get 20% off your order today. You're not going to regret it. Get the mixed flavors. That's what I always recommend. See which one you like in there. Find out what fits your taste profile. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. So let's just start with the Lindor talk. I talked to you a few weeks ago, and I mean, obviously, after the <laughs> Iglesias trade, it seems even less likely um, because they went out and got a solid shortstop. But even if there's, you know, a thought process like, well, we could shift him and uh, we could figure out a way, you know, Fletcher could be this kind of super utility. I mean, Fletcher is an everyday player, but like Fletcher could play just about anywhere and help with the platoon situations. Like, even if you look at it that way and say, oh, Iglesias has, I'd have to look at the splits and that. It, there's even before this and even after it, Lindor to the Angels probably never made a whole lot of sense, right? No, no. You, you would have to trade probably two of the time. You know, you, you, you compare it to the Mookie Betts deal last year, and you see what had to happen for the Mookie Betts trade to be executed. You know, this would have involved Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele, some of the top prospects the Angels have. And uh, for a one-year rental of Francisco Lindor, when obviously you're still filling holes and shortstop was a hole at a point, but Francisco Lindor, I think that uh, I don't, I didn't see the Angels really fitting that mark because you would probably have to give up uh, major league value. You'd probably have to give up something like a David Fletcher plus a prospect in that process. Uh, you look at Kenta Maeda and Bruzar Gratterall and um, Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs. Those are some premier names in baseball. Kenta Maeda, you know, despite not being um, a Shohei Otani, well, no, his name is, you know, he's outperformed Shohei Otani. He's likely outperformed Masahiro Tanaka in some senses. Um, these sensational Japanese players that are coming over, Kenta Maeda has been a flawless uh, pitcher for the Dodgers and the Twins. Um, you look at Alex Verdugo, a guy that 
the uh, Red Sox really value looking forward and Jeter Downs as well. Um, you look at Bruce Gratterall and his impact on the Dodgers. These are names that obviously Francisco Lindor makes the Angels better. Obviously, a guy like a Joe Adele or a Brandon Marsh would make the Indians better. Um, maybe not, you know, the long term at least. Um, so I didn't see any way that the the Angels and the Indians could match up on a trade for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I always felt that like Fletcher would have been their guy, but one could make a case. And again, you have to take into account contracts and years of control that Fletcher carries more value right now than Lindor. Now, maybe yeah. not for next season, but when you look at things like contract and control, that's a big deal. So he could, one could easily make that case, carries more value. And I think the thing is, you know, you all your points I agree with. It is interesting trying to find, you know, I talked about the Reds earlier in the week who are a rumored team, but are cutting every dollar possible. And you look at some of the other rumored organizations and it's getting harder and harder to find a match. And uh, I don't think Lindor opens the season with the Indians because frankly, they can't afford him. Uh, like they will take pennies on the dollar if they have to, but I'm getting worried that it could get closer to, Getting, you know, they're not getting the bets deal. Let's be honest. With the current situation and the finances in baseball, they're going to be lucky to get sixty percent of that bets deal. Um, right now is kind of my general feel. And, and that's the thing is you, you kind of have to look at that bets deal because you can argue that Mookie Betts is a top five player in baseball. You could argue he's a top three player, or top two player, however you want to argue it. Francisco Lindor fits well in that category: a top five player in baseball, top ten, top five, however you want to argue it. He is one of the better players in baseball. And the cost for that, even for one year, you're trying to find value in that. And teams will trade prospects because they look at how these trades pan out. Sometimes prospects uh, don't pan out. And that's why teams are willing to pay for that kind of rate. But it has to be a team that's close and is missing that mark, especially a shortstop. And you look across the major leagues, the the teams that are having success, the Tampa Bay Rays, the uh, New York Yankees, the Atlanta Braves, they all have shortstops. The Los Angeles Dodgers were obviously the biggest one that came up when it came to Lindor trades. But you look at what Corey Seager is doing and what Corey Seager can continue to do when he's healthy. Do you need Francisco Lindor? Do you need to make that improvement? So it's finding these, uh, like you said, it's the money asset, the value asset, and the value asset for one year because Mookie Betts, obviously we didn't know he was going to sign a 10-year contract with the Dodgers following this. But is Francisco Lindor going to be saying, hey, I want to sign a 10-year contract with whoever I'm traded to? Or is he going to say, I want to test this open market and see how much money I can get? And there's nothing wrong with either way of doing that because obviously this kid is going to get, he's going to make his money. He's going to get paid. Yeah. And yeah, I've I've talked about this. Like it sometimes helps to know the agents that players have. And I think uh, I'm not saying his agent is guiding him or giving him bad advice. I don't want anyone to think that, but he does have an agent who has never had some someone like Francisco Lindor's level and getting him to free agency could mean a lot for the agent as well. Now also signing a $350 million contract would be great. I think, you know, if the right deal's on the table, he'll take it. Um, but I'll be curious to see. I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where, you know, yeah, the Yankees I think still could work because Torres was not great at short. And I do think the Mets still make some sense, but it's, uh, it's harder and harder to find the ideal fit teams as of now. There's just, not as many of them. And that, that makes me a little nervous. Um, as we're sitting here chatting, I guess my question to you then becomes, I've been asking people who are not Indians writers directly in there or, you know, know this organization. What is kind of your outside view? Where do you think the Indians, do you think this is a team that uh, could still sneak into a wild card? I know it's really hard to guess when we don't know what Lindor is going to get back. Or, I mean, at this point in time, we don't know who's their first baseman. We don't know who's in left field. We don't know who's at second. We don't know who's at short. They're, they have a lot of, 
you know, a lot of holes to fill right now. Yeah, as you noted, you know, do you move Francisco Lindor? Because if you do, that's going to be a drastic change for their value of the organization. Um, you've got Jose Ramirez, one of the MVP caliber players. You've got Yu Chang, who can play in the infield there. Um, I, like you said, first base, I think you can find someone on the free agent market. I'm not so worried about first base necessarily. You can even trade for one. Um, the outfield, you know, is Oscar Mercado really um, a stud that can play center field for you long term? Um, is Josh Naylor finally going to get past those those rookie phases, basically? Uh, Fran Mill Reyes, you know, you kind of it's like you need an outfielder. You might need two outfielders. You might need an infielder. You might need a first baseman. All that offense. But I do look at their pitching staff. And I think their pitching staff is really dead set. You know, whether they trade Carlos Carrasco or not, it's kind of the big question. Uh, see, when it comes to the Angels is looking at the Indians with their pitching situation. But I think the pitching can get the Indians pretty far into the season. Now, you're talking about the White Sox who have taken steps forward, a lot of steps forward uh, in what they're doing. Whether uh, Tony LaRusso is the right guy for the job or not, I, that's a debate for another time. But, you know, the White Sox look good on paper. Uh, the Twins look good on paper. The Royals are improving. The Tigers are improving. The Indians either need to take that step back and hit the full regression, trade away their assets to rebuild, or they need to stay in where they are in that lane because the Indians are a very good baseball team when they're in that lane. Uh, it's just like you said, they're missing a lot of offensive things, but I think their their pitching staff looks really good on paper. I mean, um, to me, Shane Bieber was the most valuable player in the American League this year. I know he didn't win the award, but for me, he was the most valuable player in the league. Uh, you look at Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak. You look at that uh, bullpen with Karinchak and um, Tristan McKenzie. You know, a lot of young names that have a lot of value uh, in that Indians bullpen. They can even be moved to starters. Whether they, you know, you can move a lot of your relievers into that rotation. So I'm not worried about the Indians pitching staff one bit. Uh, what I am worried about is where is their offense going to really come from, especially if you move Lindor. So I guess then that leads into a natural second question, which is, if the Indians were shopping Carrasco, A, uh, does a deal to the Angels make sense? And B, what could that look like? And I do wonder, just to take it a step further, is there a world where it's like something like Carrasco and Hedges? Like Hedges may not be a starter, but he might make sense on a on a Madden-led team as a backup catcher. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you look at those kind of things and they need help at catching. Um, and I think Austin, you know, they have Max Stassi. Um, but it's not like the catching situation is dire the way that the pitching situation is. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Carlos Carrasco would make sense for the Angels. What that package would look like, um, you know, the Indians really like athletic up the middle players. Um, they have, The Angels have quite a few of those with Kyron Paris, um, Jeremiah Jackson, obviously Brandon Marsh, who I think is, you know, there's a lot of teams that really like Brandon Marsh for obvious reasons. He's one of the top 50 prospects in baseball or whatever he may be, you know, listed uh, by the end of the season by major outlets. But this is a guy that's likely a top 30 prospect. I don't think that the Angels would send Brandon March for Carlos Carrasco and a piece, uh, but they may be willing to send two of their, you know, maybe a Kyron Paris and uh, one of their pitching, you know, prospects that um, the Indians like, who, whether that be uh, Chris Rodriguez or Jack Kachanowicz or, you know, one of these guys. Um, obviously, the Angels have plenty of outfield uh, prospects that are um, – you know, big future pieces that, that are far away from the minors, big projects in the low minors. But if the Indians are open to that, I could see the Angels definitely swinging a trade for Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, he seems to be the one that, you know, with the Indians and the way they appear to be cutting costs, it's it's kind of this great magic trick where uh, 
they could, and I've brought this up so many times on the show, they could legitimately have a lower payroll next year than they had in the shortened season this year. <laughs> and like that there is not a, you know, the fans have been out crying the low payroll for years, but it's just, they're stuck in a situation with an owner who just, after they lost their minority owner, um, when John Sherman went and bought the Royals, it feels like the Dolans can't afford to own a team. And we've just seen that payroll every year go down. And then we've seen with the COVID situation, I mean, now it's just getting bare bones and it makes it really hard to contend in the front office for as much as they have like refused to tear down. Like they have this view of like the rolling window. And if you get in the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. It's kind of the view. Like if you get in, you can win. We only have to get in. Uh, I find a lot of fact in that too. That's something I agree with. Well, it's like you look at them this past year against the Yankees. What happened? The pitching imploded. Like of all things, like the bats were not bad for them in the postseason. It was the pitching. Like, of course, that's what happened. I mean, it's just what happened was uh, you. I mean, you wouldn't have bet on the game. Bieber, you know, Bieber in hand having their worst career moments uh, it, there. It was crazy. And that's exactly why it is such a crapshoot. I mean, the one time the Indians have gone to the World Series recently was the year that uh, Carrasco, uh, Salazar and um I can't remember. Was there was a third arm who got hurt? Uh, they were well, down. Bauer, to, Bauer had the uh, the hand, the, but he could pitch. And he had a drone thing. incident. Drone. You, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you, you still had you had Bauer and Kluber in the postseason. Um, Clevenger maybe hadn't stepped up yet, so it's you know there's no Carrasco. It was no Carrasco, no Danny Salazar, who was one of the other big guys. They're down three starters, and of course that's the year they make the, the World Series. Uh, so it is the you know a lot of signs of that. Uh, it's. So they're trying to do their best to, to keep that open. I do wonder if at some point it's going to get to a forced rebuild, though. And, I mean, they're getting as close as they can. If everything holds true, they're going to sell off everything but Jose Ramirez, who, in terms of who has money, like, directly owed. You know, everyone else is going to be an arbitration player. Uh, while I have you here and all of your time spent in the prospect pools and the like, I did want to ask you one of my favorite questions. Uh, you know, if the Indians do cement a trade with the Angels, it could happen. Uh, who is the under the radar guy? Who's the guy you like in the system that does not get the publicity that maybe they deserve, or you think, uh, you know, is even if they get some publicity, is not as ranked as uh, highly as they should? Um, Chris Rodriguez, but there's a reason for it. Is Chris Rodriguez has premier stuff across the board? It's a mid nineties fastball with movement that he can locate. He's got a great uh, slider curveball combination. His changeup is progressing. This is a guy that the Angels really value. Is Chris Rodriguez and the issue is he's had back surgery, he's had back injuries, and he's missed. Uh, I mean, he didn't pitch last year. Well, he did pitch last year with the extended roster, got about 60 innings with the extended roster. But 2019, 2018, he pitched nine innings. And even before that, he was in rookie ball, so he only got, you know, what, 30, 40 innings at, at, at that point. Um, this is a guy that people are screaming top 100 prospect. And he's not going to appear on any top 100 prospects because you only have nine innings on record from the last three seasons that's not going to help you in those kind of regards. But uh, the way that the angels view him, the way that um, a lot of scouts that I've spoken to view him is this is a guy that belongs on a top 100 prospect list. Um, it's just that it's going to be sensible that baseball America, MLB pipeline um, fan graphs. These are guys that are probably not going to have him as a top 100 prospect. The other guy uh, that's growing and getting a lot of uh, garnering a lot of attention is Kyron Paris. We mentioned um, kid from Northern California who has grown really well, uh, added some physicality, kid that likely can stay at shortstop, um, a little bit of a compact swing. So you don't know how much power is going to be there, but you get a guy that can hit a little bit, 
and play shortstop. You, you try to project a little bit of more hitability for him in the future. But I think those are the two guys. Um, you have Jordan Adams, the first round pick from a few years back, who's a supreme athlete, who's had the performance to back it up, support it, um, who was a football player that came and started playing baseball. And these are guys that I think a lot of people are starting to familiarize themselves, especially Jordan Adams. But when it comes down to a guy that maybe unsung praises, definitely Chris Rodriguez, um, just a pitcher from uh, Southern Florida in the Miami area. And he's a pretty special uh, arm. And, and if the Angels packaged him in a deal, I think they would look for more than what maybe on paper would say uh, is about him. You know, people may be arguing that he's not a top 100 prospect, but there are a lot of people that do believe he can be a top 100 prospect. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, you know, as always, it's awesome to, ha- to have any chance to talk with you, uh, to chat baseball. Uh, it is a little odd for us to have a discussion and not talk any draft. Uh, we just we don't have the time today. I'm sure I'll have you back at some point to talk draft. Give us a chance to both dive in a little bit more into this uh, very deep pool for next year. But thanks for coming on. Uh, tell them again where they can find you uh, online. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a real pleasure uh, being on with you again. Uh, if you guys are on social media, I am at Taylor Blake Ward on Twitter. And uh, like I said, free agent writer right now. Uh, just picking up some freelance contracts in the local area, but uh, eventually we'll have a book coming out. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, we'll have more information on the book once we hit those phases. I can't give away too much right now, but uh, it'll be fun. It'll be really fun when we get to that stage. Make sure to check that out. Follow Taylor. Uh, if nothing else, you can see some fun interactions between the two of us if you do that. And you'll get a <laughs> lot of great information about the Angels as well as prospects and draft in general. Uh, Taylor, is uh, he's tapped in. Like, you know, we would always get some good info in the day from him. So make sure to check him out. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go Tribe.